and everything that keeps you entertained in life. So sit back, relax, and welcome to Clint's Mom's Basement. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the show today. You are now dwelling in the basement. My guest today is Marilyn Hughes, and we are talking about... <laughs> it's called The Solitary. It's, a, it's the first book in a trilogy called The Solitary Series. So that's a trilogy of books you've written? Mm-hmm. That's a trilogy. Yeah, three, three books. Uh, one of my series. Yep. Okay. And what are they about? Well, The Solitary is one of the sequels to The Mysteries of the Redemption. It follows the Mystical Captive series, and it goes into the journey of the soul as it really goes into um, when, you're, when you're passing through the karmic stages of development and you've passed through the understanding of the the fall of man, which is you know the mystical captive, which is the mystical theology period of understanding what the fall is and how we regenerate from the fall. Then you enter into the solitary period, which is how we regenerate energy as um, souls and bring back a higher spiritual grade of of uh, wisdom back from the Godhead into our spiritual vessel here on earth. So you have in the spiritual, uh, in that series of the solitary series, you have the solitary, the emissary, and the potentate. Those are the three books, and it's an, uh, uh, three books that are continually expanding further into as the soul is now moving into literally becoming like a firecracker for God in the mystical realms, bringing into the earth some of the higher spiritual vibrations and becoming capable of altering realities and altering um, energy in the mystical spheres and on earth below in a much higher, higher grade. Wow. How long does it normally take you to write these books? To write them? Well, it yeah. all depends. They're all they're all very different, you know. Um, you know, like first of all, like the mysteries of the redemption was the uh, the first um, book that I put out. But it was uh, well, the first books I put out were done like fifteen years before. But the mysteries of the redemption inculcates the ones that were put out. Uh, that one took about fifteen years of good labor and work and it was literally <laughs> that was taken from like eight or ten boxes of papers and you know years and years of editing and additional work but then as the years progressed you know these things could come out um, uh, sometimes two or three years sometimes a year um, so they're all a little bit different I'd say, you know, probably the average is is a year to two years and uh, sometimes a little bit more if um, uh, just depending on the period of time because, uh, you know, in terms of how long it takes to write the books, it has a lot more to do with 
um, the period of time my soul requires to undergo the um, the initiations that are being demonstrated in the books than you know writing itself, if that right. makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, do you do a, normally a lot of research then? I, I do a ton of research, and um, ironically, um, I do a lot of research for these books as well, but I also have other books that I write that are um, on world religion, um, which compare different world religions and their views on certain mystical subjects, as well as something called the Overview Series, which gives overviews of different mystical, um, and not, not necessarily mystical, but different religious subjects um, uh, that generally are, are, you know, a bigger subject, but bringing it down to bite-sized pieces so that it's easier for people to get an idea of what they're about. Um, so, yeah, I do a lot of research in those areas. And, in fact, um, the biggest area of research that I've done has been in the ancient sacred texts, which is what I was specifically instructed in my out-of-body experiences to do, you know, for decades now, um, to research the ancient sacred texts from all religions from throughout time, which you'll see in my books, um, quotes from those and mentions of those are scattered throughout my writings. Um, and that's also, you know, what you'll see in the World Religion books and the Overview series. That's where a lot of it comes from. One of the series of books that I wrote, um, which was also a result of that, was the only English language uh, encyclopedia of ancient sacred texts, which is the 12-volume, The Voice of the Prophets, Wisdom of the Ages. Um, it is, you know, an encyclopedia of ancient sacred texts, beginning with Hinduism and uh, in volume one and ending in volume 12 with the Baha'i faith, you know, covering ancient sacred texts uh, throughout the ages. Hmm. That's interesting. So then do you think they're all kind of... So that's interesting. Um, so every religion, like, from... What do you mean by that? Do you read text from, like, every religion? Is there just certain ones you pick stuff from? I generally will check out just about every religion, um, and I, uh, I'm i sure there's some that I've missed because the more you research, the more you find that there are, <laughs> you know, right. that there are some out there that maybe you hadn't heard of before. But, yes, you know, we do have, like, in the books that I've written, you'll see that maybe it's, um, I'll cover, you know, the seven or nine major uh uh, primary well-known religions. So we'll cover Hinduism, mystery religions, Judaism, uh, the, the various Buddhisms, the Taoism, Zen, um, and the different types of Buddhism. There's Theravada and Mahayana, Pure Land, and, and then various other schools. Then you also have, um, I'm trying not to miss any along the way, but I'm sure I will, Zoroastrianism, uh, okay. Then uh, my, my Confucianism. 
Yes, we do cover that quite a bit. That's one of my favorites to study as well. Confucianism, yes, and then um, Native American religions, African religions, and then you know tribal religions as a whole, um, as well as obvious things being Christianity, Islam, and the Baha'i faith. Um, and I think, you know, that's a good overview there. I'm sure there's some missing there. Yes. But then, you know, what what you see along the way, like, um, oh, Jainism as well. You know, you're going to see a lot of uh, uh, Sikhism as well. <laughs> so, right. you know, like I said, it's easy to miss them as you're just kind of uh, throwing them out there off the top of your head. But, yeah. I'm uh, I'm a I'm a strong believer in covering as many of them as you can, and um, I tried to cover a little bit of Shinto as well in some of my books. And in fact, I had um, one of the last remaining Shinto priests a few years ago was going to write a book that we were going to try to publish. But um, that never came through, which is unfortunate. It just wasn't it wasn't his his discipline, I guess. You know, in terms of writing it down. But um, that would have been very interesting, just because it's something that's um, not well written of. You know what I mean? Kept uh, kept in writing. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, stuff out there. Um, and of course, in every one of these religions, there's a lot of schools. You know, um, Hinduism has many uh, breakdowns just like Buddhism does. So, mm-hmm. you know. That's interesting. So, you were, we were talking earlier, you have over 100 books, is that correct? Yeah, I've written 100 plus books, yes. That's a lot of writing. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to fathom, I'm still working on my first <laughs> wow, a hundred books! Hard for me to imagine. Are they all kind of based on the same subjects? Or are they all different topics? Or all different topics? Um, uh, what you have is you have. Um, I've I've got about eleven different series of books. So you know we have uh, the world religion series, which goes through different. Um, uh, types of subjects, for instance, you know, one of the one of them is the Voice of the Prophets, the Encyclopedia of Ancient Sacred Texts. Another book in the series is Near Death and Out of Body Experiences of the Prophets, Saints, Mystics, and Sages of World Religions, and that one is about the uh, literally the birth points of religion. Because uh, so, I mean, the one one of the things that you can definitely say is similar is that all of these, all of the writings that I take on, um, usually, generally, have to do with out of body travel for sure, <laughs> and mysticism. Um, but they take there's a lot more uh, there's a lot more to talk about in out of body travel than I think a lot of people might actually just realize right when they're just talking off the cuff. So, like for instance, um, a lot of people don't realize, you know, um, religions were founded on great revelatory moments, which were a lot of times out of body experiences. So anyway, this uh, this particular book is a culmination of all those events that were the birth points of all these major world religions, major and minor world religions is what I should say. And then you have um, things like Forgotten Mystics, which is a huge book, one of my favorites to write, which was about 
um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, out of body travelers um, from history who have been forgotten. You know, we all remember people like Saint Teresa of Avila, Rumi, you know, Saint Catherine of Siena, but there are a whole bunch of very fascinating uh, out of body travelers and mystics whose writings are still available, but hard to find. And so I put them all together in a book called Forgotten Mystics. Um, another one is called Comparative Religious Mystical Theology. And this one was about, um, I went through the world religions. I, I used nine in this book. And what, what I was looking for was taking like some of the great mystics, for instance, Jacob Bohm for Christianity, um, uh, there was, uh, I believe it was, well, I'm going to not use that since I don't know for sure which one it was, but I had different people for um, each religion who were considered great mystics in their religion, and I found in the ancient sacred text a conversational piece that they had of where they were talking with somebody about um, their views of their out-of-body experiences. And so each of these things is a conversation with a great mystic from a different tradition. Um, and so that's what this book is about. Uh, another example is Selfishness and Self-Will, which was based on my own near-death experience, which was... Ooh, what happened? Uh, can I ask? <laughs> yeah, you can ask for sure. Um, well, one of the things in that near-death experience was I was told that um, one of the purposes of our lives here on earth is to go from selfishness to selflessness. And so I had written this book based on that message, which was uh, the importance of how do we move from selfishness to selflessness in uh, this world. And so it goes through each of the world religious paths, and I looked through the ancient sacred texts and found texts that specifically discuss those things from each of the religions. But yes, um, I had a near-death experience in uh, uh, like, oh gosh, almost 20 years ago now, maybe. Um, <laughs> um, yes, it was a beautiful experience. Um, I've talked about it a few times. Um, and so, you know, if anyone's, li if anyone's listening, you can always go to my website at outofbodytravel.org and check out some of my other interviews. I've detailed it on some other interviews as well. But, um, yes, I, um, I, um, I had um, what's called cardiomyopathy heart failure, and um, it, was in t it was diagnosed in 2001, but this was in 2003. And um, there were indications that my heart was not doing as well on medication. And so they were going to go in and do a catheterization. And then ha uh, they had a chopper standing by and in case I had to be flown out for, um, uh, to be prepared for waiting for a transplant. And... Um, Ironically, it was the night before the procedure. Um, when you have something like cardiomyopathy, heart failure, you can have funny little rhythm problems that happen. And I'm assuming that must have been what happened. I don't know for sure. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I was at my home. So I um, 
all of a sudden I was uh, out. I was out and I was uh, going towards the tunnel that everyone speaks about. You know the tunnel? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And um, the interesting thing about it was, you know, <laughs> a lot of people talk about seeing family members and stuff. Mm-hmm. I saw my little childhood dog sitting in the light waiting for me. <laughs> wow. And I thought that was so sweet. But, you know, I was pretty yeah. young at the time. And so uh, most of my the family that I know well was on this side of the veil. You know, now, 20 years later, I have a lot of family members who um, I would love to see who have crossed and would probably be there. But it was my little dog, you know what I mean? Um, And that's a whole other story I could talk to you about that I wrote about later in a book called Galactica, which was how even our ancestors, the relatives that we do not know, do know us. Um, beautiful experiences. You can read that book too. By the way, you know all my books are available for free download at the website at outofbodytravel.org. You can just go to Out of Body Books, and all of our books are available for download. So whatever you're interested in, it's right on that page. And also, you can get them in Audible or paperback or um, uh, any kind of digital thing that you're interested, whatever your format, they're, they're all available as well, but they, they are available for free downloads, so wanted people to know that as well as we have a course of study for people who really want to go for it um, and learn about the ancient sacred texts, learn about the process that I went through myself in order to uh, discover this path. Um, I laid out the the journey kind uh, you know as, as close as I could to as it was given to me through my out of body experiences on the course of study also free to take at the website. So Galactica is the book that comes after the mysteries of the redemption. And you know the first books I tell people to read if you're new to this are Come to Wisdom's Door and the Mysteries of the Redemption. So Galactica follows it, but Um, Just a little side note, when you get to Galactica, if you're interested in in this sort of thing, there's a a lot of interesting experiences about our ancestors and how our ancestors are aware of us even when we don't know who they are. (laughs) You know, it's it's very, uh, it's a beautiful thing how our, um, how we all, how, uh, how the the world of the living and the world of the quote-unquote dead work together. And it's a complete whole circle, and yet, you know, for most of us on Earth, we're not aware of the other half as being so prevalently present in our lives, and yet they are in in a sense that we don't understand. They're very prevalently present, but also... Um, with my little caveat that they are also on their own journeys as well. So back to that. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So my little dog was in the light, and um, from previous experiences I'd had, I knew that um, you really can't go through the light unless you're planning not to return. It's kind of a thing, you know, so if you... If you go too far, you know, there's certain boundaries of, okay, if you cross this line, then you're not going back. If you're 
you know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. And so I was like, okay, well, um, I really wanted to reach in and grab my little dog, but I knew I, I, I shouldn't do that, you know, <laughs> because, because I'd already, I knew that reaching into it at that point would possibly make this much more of a permanent thing and that sort of thing. So um, what happens then is that um, Jesus comes, and he's, you know, he's wearing a white robe. He comes and he says he's making a certain kind of exception and he wants to show me the worlds of the beyond and that he's making an exception. He's going to take me beyond into the light um, and that it's okay. And so he takes my hand and we go whoosh, you know, through the light and then he's taking me through. Literally you travel like at the speed of light, um, and you're um, just through all these beautiful worlds, these beautiful heavenly spaces, and I'm seeing all of, you know, all of creation. And you know, believe me, it's not something that you want to come back from at all. You know, it's just so beautiful. It's so filled with love. Um, while you're there, you have the this knowledge that. Um, that you have access to. It's kind of like um, a lot of people who have near-death experiences talk about this. Some people will say it's like the, the mind of God, uh, the mysteries of God kind of di- download into your own soul a bit. And I guess I would kind of agree with that description. It's hard to describe totally accurately. It's kind of like, I guess the way I would describe it is that it's like the mind of God is all around you and you have access to that knowledge to me. And, and it's there and it's part of you because you are within that. that and, and all of that substance, including the air you breathe, is God. So everything you, um, everything you um, are within is uh, matter and substance of God. So this knowledge, this wisdom, this vibration of God is is you know coming into you from every particle and every part of your soul so you have that that it's like the things that you couldn't understand on earth you understand so much better um things that were mysteries on earth are are understood there but i think the main thing is people feel that un, that profound unconditional love that comes from god and the beauty and the vibrance, the, the, you know, the heavens, the heavenly worlds are so vibrant. Um, the colors are always, there's, a, there's an enlivenness to the color, the light. Everything is just uh, greater. But um, he brings me back anyway, and I'm, I'm kind of shortening a few things because otherwise, because otherwise, We'd be here all day, but um, <laughs> you know. But basically, he takes me back to the light. Um, my little dog is still there, you know, and I'm standing there with Christ, and he shows me. Um, he shows me off in the distance, um, like what what the world, and I hear shouting coming from the world, and then he shows me also. He shows me some souls from the world, and he's showing me this, like, uh, 
Um, it's a little bit like, you know, how people will uh, do the thing with their children against the wall to watch them grow as they get taller and they put a mark on the wall? Yeah. So it's almost like a little marker like that, except it's a movable marker, and it's a selfishness marker. And so, hmm. and so he's showing me that he he puts the marker down at the bottom, and he said, "This is where um, this is where the world is, and it's at the bottom, which is um, selfishness. So that's where it's at. And then he put he brings the bar up to where." Uh, to a different spot, and he says, and this is where you're at. And he says, um, so this is where you're at. And he says, um, you can, um, you know, you, you know, he says the, the purpose of your life in the world is to go from selfishness to selflessness. And he says, and you, you have accomplished that, and, and you've accomplished what you what you have to accomplish, and you can come with me now if you um, if you um, choose. And um, but he said that when I go back, you know, I'm hearing the the yelling from the world, you know, <laughs> off in the distance. He said, but don't think that going back will change um, will change that. You know the the world will remain selfish, um, and basically, he's letting me know that I don't have the power to change the nature of the world. But I can go back if I want to go back. He's giving me that choice, or I can stay. And um, at that time, I had three very little children, and um, and I said, well, if I have the choice. I have to go back because I have to raise my kids. And he said, okay, well, I'm going to have you go back and I want you to pray for a heart transplant. And I looked at him and I said, no, I can't do that. And there was just kind of like a pause. And then I just said, but I will pray that the perfectly healthy person who would have to die needlessly to provide me with a heart will be spared, and I will take my chances with the heart that I've got. And again, there's a, a lengthy pause, and he sit, looks at me and says, I grant that. And then, whoosh, <laughs> moving through space faster than speeds of the light, you know, and... Um, so I'm, you know, soaring through the spaces, and then all of a sudden I stop, and I'm in what seems like a little like a store, cafe kind of thing, and I'm sitting, and Jesus is sitting next to me, and there's a bunch of books. It's like there's a, it's kind of like, you know, uh, you don't see as much of these now as you used to at that time, but you know, like one of those cafes that has that sells books too, or and maybe even has a drugstore or things like that that used to be more common 20 years ago. It's kind of like that, but there were they were there were bookshelves and there were a bunch of books on these shelves, and so Jesus looks at me and says, "I will make good use of you." 
when you go back. And he points to all the books, and he, and he made it clear that they were all the books that I would write. And so I was, I was pretty, like, surprised, blown away by that. But I was looking at them closely because I was like, okay, well, I better look at these to see what I'm supposed to write, you know. <laughs> right. And um, he, um, he gives me a, you know, a few, few moments to look. And um, and then I um, then uh, um, he says I'll make good use of you and um, and you know I might be missing a detail or two so I apologize if I am but um, so then it's at, at this point it's basically I'll make good use of you and and then it's another whoosh and then I believe that's when I head back and. Um, I think he might have said something else there, but I can't. But I think that's that might okay. have been it. I might. I, I'll make good use of you, and then, um, then I head back, and then the next day I have the procedure. Come out of the procedure, and um, I'm still in the hospital where, and I'm and I'm you know asking why am I here because I'm supposed to be flown out, and and I remember the doctor saying, well. Uh, for some reason, your heart's doing a lot better than it was last week, and we can't explain it. And I said, okay. And I didn't say anything more because I kind of had a feeling as to why. But, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, <laughs> I didn't, uh, so I didn't mention it at all to uh, uh, any of my docs because I knew they weren't um, believers in this sort of thing. So <laughs> I kept right. it to myself. <laughs> wow. That's like a really interesting story. So is that when you first got started in writing, or were you writing before that? I was already writing for like over over fifteen, twenty years. My you know, I started writing when I was twenty two. Let's see, so my first experience was back so this experience occurred in two thousand three and ironically it was about six months before the Out of Body Travel Foundation was founded. And um, the um, first experience that I had in my adult life was when I was 22, and that was in 1987. And then I had a very profound experience when I was nine years old, which um, led me to um, understand that I had some kind of purpose that would reveal itself later, like in my adulthood, which it did. Uh, so when you're talking about that, is it like a dream? Or, I mean, like when you're nine years old, what kind of experience did you have? That one was um, so hard to explain, but I'm going to. <laughs> oh. Okay. No, sorry. But, you know, the, one, one of the things just to explain to help people because this is hard for people to understand when you're talking about what's an out-of-body experience versus a dream versus a, uh, just a, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, so what I kind of characterize is that there are, there are your random dreams that people have that are just, you know, your brain working through the day's events and things like that, and that's normal psychological stuff that our brains do. There are other dreams that have more of a prophetic nature, and that has to do with us touching into what I call the management realm of the spiritual, which has to do with 
things that are forming, things that might begin to happen. And that's when you say prophetic, it doesn't necessarily mean prophetic on a grand scale. It can even just be, you know, this might happen tomorrow in my life. And the reason why that happens is because in the management realm, what we do say, think, and um, put out there is already forming to create what um, the next day might uh, create and so it's already forming an energy. So those are another type. Then you have what are called spiritual dreams, which are dreams that are very obviously intended to guide the person and have spiritual significance. Out of body experiences are a a, a different uh, level where the soul actually is leaving the body and you're totally conscious of it. People can have, sometimes people when they're having a very intense spiritual dream may be having an out-of-body experience, but they're not remembering the out-of-body part of it. But that's not always the case. All human beings do have out-of-body experiences, but most are not aware of them. There are more and more people who are becoming aware of them, but they can, they, a lot of people are becoming aware of them on these less conscious levels, which means they're aware maybe they're having spiritual dreams. This happens in our sleep at night because what's happening is we are merging and blending with the spirit world um, because this is all part of how uh, the human spirit is uh, worked upon. This is how life actually moves and bends and sways through this world and this, you know, if you look at like a circle and you put a line through the center, mm-hmm. um, just let me know if everything I'm saying makes sense to you so I don't... Yeah, I'm calling you so far. Okay. <laughs> so, and then you take the bottom part of that circle and that part, that bottom part of that circle is life on earth. The top part of that circle is life on the other side. And so when you look at day and night cycles with the human spirit and the human psyche, what we are seeing there then is that what we're blending together to make the full circle is bringing that spirit world, the other side, back in community with the bottom of that circle, which is the physical waking life of the earthly humans. The disconnect, which is the line in the center, is... um, is an you know is is something that we are working to overcome as as human beings because it does impede our progress in as in our journey here. But um, going back to uh, hopefully that makes sense and at least gives a general overview. When you have a fully conscious out of body experience, you're going to go through some very profound different experiences. In that, you will experience what's called the vibrational state, which is so profoundly intense. Uh, A lot of people are really freaked out by it when they first experience it. Either they get scared or it just it's so unnerving that they get excited. (laughs) And that in and of itself can get their focus uh, so that they pull themselves out of it. But the vibrational state is actually happening because the consciousness is is uh, switching 
from the physical consciousness, which is a lower vibration, to the consciousness of the spiritual body, which is a higher consciousness. So that's a very good thing, but the, the spiritual consciousness vibrates at a much higher speed, so it feels like, um, feels like all of a sudden a jet engine took over your body. You know what I mean? But what's actually uh, happening is you've, you've flipped from physical to spiritual body. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was... That's interesting. Wow. <laughs> and a lot of people will then also hear really, really loud noises. Like, and it can be compared to jet engines. Like if you're, like if you're, like you're sleeping underneath a jet engine that's getting ready to, you know, load up the plane to take off. It's very, very loud, and so it's very unnerving. Um, if it's the first time you've experienced it, again, you're switching from the physical realm to the spiritual realm, which vibrates at a much higher rate of speed, and that is what the, the loud sound that you are hearing. People mm-hmm. will also hear random voices. Those voices are the thoughts of humanity. It's real important people know that because, you know, um, for your skeptics, your skeptics will always jump in there and say, oh, you're hearing voices. No, it's not like that. <laughs> because then they try to turn it to schizophrenia. But <laughs> that's not what's going on. What happens is when people imagine the earth and imagine how people are constantly thinking. And all of these thoughts do have a purpose, and they are being thrown up into the atmosphere, the spiritual ether around the earth. And when you detach from the physical construct of your body into the spiritual, and now you're in that vibrational state, which is the vibration of the spirit, you are experiencing the the vibration of the spiritual sphere, Okay, this is the spiritual sphere, which is also the fourth realm. This is the fourth realm. So we live as human beings in the third dimension, but it is overlapped by the fourth realm. So we live in the third and fourth realm. So when you do this, you are going from third dimensional awareness to fourth dimensional awareness. So those thoughts of humanity that are constantly being generated are being thrown in automatically to that fourth realm. So obviously those thoughts become part and parcel of that fourth realm. This is one of the reasons why um, there's a difference between, and a lot of people don't know this, but I'll just make the clear point uh, of the difference right now. There's a difference between the term out-of-body travel, and astral travel. Even though they are often used synonymously, there's actually a difference, but even though a lot of times people will use them with, with the same intent, astral travel is speaking of fourth realm travel. And that is this overlapping realm around the third dimension, which is where we exist. Out-of-body travel speaks of any realm travel, which can include an infinity of realms in the heavens, an infinity of realms in the purgatories, an infinity of realms in the hells, and it can include fourth realm travel as well and any other dimensional travel. So you can be dealing with any level of dimensional travel with out-of-body travel. 
it's okay that people don't always point out the difference, but it's just a semantics thing that's helpful for people to understand. And it's helpful for people to understand, okay, well, why do you hear those voices in that state? It's because you just connected with the fourth realm. As you perfect this um, gift, those voices become less and less... Um, uh, uh, you, don't, you don't hear them as much because you literally override and you override the fourth dimensional realm travel as you progress. But, but it is something that you're going to deal with for a while if you are beginning. And so that's important to know. So that's why you hear those, you just hear random voices and you'll hear, it's, it's interesting because it's just thoughts. You're like, oh, did I leave my keys in the phone? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just going to hear what people would be thinking. Um, and so it's just all these different thoughts that, that are all jumbled together. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's more to that as well. But going back to your question, what happened when I was nine? So then you have, we had talked about going back and trying not to be too confusing. We talked about uh, dreams that are purely for the brain, the psychological dreams, the dreams that have to do with the management realm of what we are creating for our next day that can also have that uh, personal prophetic purpose, spiritual dreams, and then out-of-body experiences, and then there are also mystical visions and, um, you know, things like this. And the mystical visions have their own set of grades, and I won't bother with going into all of those, but when I was nine, I had one of these. And I was lying in my bed, and this can happen if you read about or study, and you can do that with a lot of my books at outofbodytravel.org. There's a lot of books about the mystics from throughout the ages. But um, a lot of mystics had these. These can be people who have waking visions, people who have um, visions in the out-of-body travel state. Um, but there's, they, they can happen in a lot of forms, but we won't go into detail right now on that. But um, in, when I was nine, I had this unbelievable vision where um, I had been sleeping and then all of a sudden awakened in my sleep, you know, the, the incredible vibrations and um, all of a sudden, I was seeing these clouds in front of me that were just, you know, billowing, bulbous clouds that were white and blue, and they were just moving and moving in front of me, and powerful, thundering clouds. It, it, was, it was a very visceral experience. They, they opened up to reveal a marble staircase to heaven. And on the sides of the staircase were angels just lined up. They were all looking towards the center of the staircase, like almost like you would um, almost like you would see soldiers, you know. Um, they were um, but they were beautiful um, they were female angels with the big white wings. They were, they were, they were kind of like made of light. They were not. 
they were not um, they were not totally solid. You could see through them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, and then up at the top of the stairs, and you have to remember I was nine, so one of the things I do tell people is that it's important not to get too caught up in um, the fact that um, we as human beings, we can get real carried away with our concern about, well, do you think God looks like this, or do you think God looks like that, or, you know, one of the things I tell people is God presents himself to us in whatever way we need to see him in order for him to be able to reach us. So I was nine years old, and so in my nine-year-old mind, God presented himself in a way that I could understand. <laughs> and, um, and so there were two thrones up at the top, and um, God was presented as a very, very, very ancient old man with a long white beard and wearing a white robe. And he was sitting in the throne on the left, and Jesus Christ was sitting in the throne on the right to, of him. And, um, and I was walking slowly up the stairs, and it was, it was just very powerful because when you're in a situation like that, it's very highly energetically, vibrationally charged. You, you know, you uh, you move slowly because um, you know I've had I've had out of body experiences where, when you are in the presence of God, you're literally thrown to your knees, you know, by the force of God Himself. And so I'm moving slowly because for me to just run up the steps at that time might not have been appropriate, I guess. You know what I mean? Because the vibrations are pushing me to move slowly. And at the time, there was a lot of turmoil in my my young life. And, um, and so God allowed like a screen to descend, and he showed me... Um, a little bit of what was going to happen in the remaining years of my childhood, and there would be there would be more difficulties, and that it would be challenging, but that I would get through it. But that one of the things that he showed in the on the screen was it was intense, but um. It it was there would there would be a lot of difficulty. There would be a lot of there would be a lot of um, uh, well, just persecution, you know, persecution. And um, and he showed me standing tall like the cross. And cool. at, I'm sorry. Oh, I just said cool. Oh, oh, yeah. I was trying to act engaged. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and so then, then um, you know, at, there were times during the experience where the cross was on fire, you know, and there were times, um, and and I had to extinguish the fires that were around. Uh, I, I believe the the had to extinguish the fires that kept getting put onto the cross. You do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm getting Fires visual. Really being lit, yes. Right. <laughs> um, but that that was going to be a battle that I just had to face, but that I would get through it. And then um, when he showed me that, and he was letting me know, and he was filling me with strength at the same time that you're not, you're going to get through this. And and then when he was done showing me that, and the screen was gone, he let me know that he would return to me at a later time. And that I would be, um, he would return to me at a later time. And I didn't know at the time it would be through out-of-body experiences in particular, just that it would return to me and I had a purpose with this somehow. And mm-hmm. that I needed to know that that would happen and, um, and that I would get through all this. And, um, and then... And then it did. It did happen when I was 22, and then it just went from there. And you know, literally, that became uh, the journey from there. Wow, that's an awesome story. Can people learn more about that on your uh, website? Yeah, that story in detail is shared literally right at the beginning of the Mysteries of the Redemption, which is at outofbodytravel.org. That's really yeah. cool. Do you have anything else you would like to put over? Like, uh, do you have a YouTube page? Oh yeah, I do. And you know, we have a huge, uh, we have a huge forum of people. We have almost, we're just probably going to hit nine hundred thousand by the end of the year. You can join our forums and all of our social networks and go to our YouTube channels. We also have. We have a YouTube channel that has all of my um, interviews that I've done as well as we created a separate YouTube channel this year that has author Q&A, which is also linked at the website. And so you can listen to specific questions that people have asked me and my answers to them and send your questions and I'll answer them on there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview. It was very enlightening. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Clint. I love hanging out in people's basements with them. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little creepy when you say it that way. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I mean, it's. I like. I like the. I like the 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 chill vibe. You know, it it takes me back to my younger days. You know. (laughs) You know, and we would all hang out. In, in mom and dad's basement, you know, that, that that kind of thing. wasn't meant to be that creepy. Oh, I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much again. And you have a great day, okay? You too, Clint. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us in the basement on this episode of Clint's Mom's Basement. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central for your spot in the basement. For booking information, visit Radiolove.com. That's RadioLUV.com. Clint's Mom's Basement is an original...